0: o'clock in a brand new year with a brand new episode of Graphic Policy Radio, the show that mixes comics and politics. Tonight we've got a returning guest talking about a brand new comic series with a fairly new character, but before I introduce all of that, let me welcome my co-host Alana, how you doing?
1: Hey, you know, this has been an episode we've been really looking forward to doing for a while. We're huge fans of our guest Jeremy Whitley, and this is Great to have him on a Marvel book, um, and it's really put me in a great mood. I'm really looking forward to introducing all of our listeners to it.
0: Yeah, there's something about uh, being able to kick off the year with like a nice, positive, fun comic. So we're gonna dive into it. But before we get into everything, let me kind of set everything up. Girl Genius, Hero Unstoppable. That's the Unstoppable Wasp, brand new series from Marvel that hits the shelves this coming Wednesday. Uh, If the comic features Nadia Pym, the daughter of Hank Pym. Yes, we're going to hit up Jeremy to explain all of that. Uh, for the entire first half of her life, she was a captive of the Red Room. But now she's a teenage super scientist, genius kicking ass. Uh, so it's Hank Pym's daughter trying to prove a lot and make up for the time that she uh, has kind of missed in the world uh, while she was locked away. So Jeremy has been a multiple-time guest of the show. He's done so, so much. Princeless is a big comic you might uh, have heard of and been hearing the praise about. There's, you know, this little series called my little pony that he's written for. Uh, and uh, he was, I think one of our favorite stories of the whole Marvel secret Wars with his uh, addition to Marvel uh, secret war, secret love. Now he's got the unstoppable wasp again out this Wednesday, Jeremy, welcome back.
2: Thanks. Thanks. I'm glad to be back.
0: Uh, so, how you been? So, uh, you know, the, you kind of seem to have a hell of an end of the year, you know, going into 2017 and you're you're kicking off the new year with this like brand new series that's got tons of buzz going into it. So, you know, how you feeling about this this comic coming out this Wednesday?
2: I'm feeling pretty good. It's uh it really has been a, a really good, you know, last half of 2016 uh, in spite of all the other stuff that uh went wrong in the world of 2016 yeah. <laughs> i think um you know it was, it was good for me professionally like was going into this year you know i had the Princess stuff and my little pony stuff i'd done you know the one secret wars story for marvel um you know since then i did uh you know i did a story in um uh, civil war choosing sides number two which was um you know a big uh james rhodes funeral story which uh Marguerite Savage illustrated, which was an amazing, uh, amazing thing to get to to do that and to work with her.
1: Um, it was beautiful. On top really of that,
2: good. yeah. Well, thank you. Yeah, and it was it was one of those that like I wrote the whole thing, and then when I started getting art back, I just started cutting chunks of my dialogue out of there just so you could see more of the art, because um, she's she's so good. Um, and you know, it had been at that point it had been a year between my two Marvel jobs, and, um, you know, it it started happening kind of all at once that things kind of fell into place. I did the um, Year of Marvel's October story with uh, Kate Bishop, which was a lot of fun, and, um, you know, I I got this job working on The Wasp and started doing that, and, um, you know, some of the uh, dates for that got shifted back, and in the meantime, I was, um, you know, consulting with, or having Mark Wade consult for me on it, because he created the character and, um, you know, got invited to, to co-write an issue of Avengers with him, which is, doesn't get much cooler than that, so.
1: It, yeah, a, you when time- you were with us last on the podcast, which was, gosh, I don't remember, but when you were with us last on the podcast, you talked about that issue, and, and we got a little bit caught up on that, so we definitely, folks, if you are a fan of this, which you should be, you can go back and listen to the older episode of Jeremy Whitley that we did um, maybe nine months ago or so.
0: Uh, even if it's that, if that, <laughs> I don't think it's that, that much. Jeremy's a regular.
1: <laughs> yeah,
2: it was back uh, late summer, early fall, I think, um, that huh, came I'm out totally originally. It. They were originally they were aiming to get um, you know Unstoppable wasp out around that same time when a lot of the uh, you know, newer block of stuff came out. But I think between um, the timing of, you know, Elsa, who is the artist on the book, um, was doing it, had a lot of commitments at D.C. She was finishing up, and then on top of that, um, you know, with the event running a little behind, I think it ended up, you know, just working out to, to get us out here launching right at the beginning of the year instead. Um, so I've it's, it's interesting because I've had this first issue of this story written for, a good six months at this point, I think. Um, maybe a little less than that, but um, it's been been gnawing away everything to get it out there. Um, mm. yeah, it's It's been drawn and colored and lettered for a little while now. Um, so it's finally it's finally getting out there on Wednesday and uh, be able to, to share it with everybody else.
1: And we have got our copy of it, which we've read and it is excellent. It's so much fun. I'm just really overjoyed with the well, thank you. So, okay. yeah, I think.
2: Yeah. Sorry. I I think joy and excitement is, is kind of a lot of what I'm I'm going for with it, and I I hope that comes across to people. I I don't know how it couldn't.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so tell us how the series came to be.
2: Um, uh, I think part of it is you know I'd been sort of uh, nagging some of the folks at Marvel, specifically you know Tom Brevort about getting something going on over there. Um, You know, I sort of got my my first job at Marvel indirectly through him and through his office, and, um, you know, I'd ended up with him uh, being the, you know, supervising editor on a couple of stories I was doing, um, including the um, Kate Bishop one, since she falls under his office. Um, And, you know, I'd I'd just been, uh, you know, sort of talking to him about wanting to do more stuff, and... Uh, they wanted to do a series with Nadia and uh, you know he he said he thought it would be a, a good fit for me it falls kind of in it was in a couple of the the ranges of books like princess and pirate princess um as far as you know having young female protagonists um who are, are very capable um and I, I you know something about it made him him think i would uh, be a good match for it. And he sort of asked me to, to pitch what I would want to do with the character. And, um, you know, what, what's in the issues is almost exactly what that first pitch was. Um, you know, I, I talked to, uh, him and Mark Wade a little bit about what they, what they think this character is about and what, you know, they see that they like about the character. And, um, I sort of, you know, brewed it down to, I, I like the optimism, um, that Mark writes her with that she's this nice mix of intelligence and optimism that often we don't see in in comics now that, um, you know, people can either be optimistic and starry-eyed and not smart, um, or they can be intelligent and, you know, be one of those characters that's constantly waiting for the end of the world. Um, And I really like, you know, a lot of that. I wanted to bring a lot of sort of that, early uh, superhero and science adventure comic stuff to it, stuff like um, early Fantastic Four and Doc Samson. It's just sort of, you know, these adventure comics that are based in science that are fun and exciting to read. And, um, you know, they don't have to be this sort of um, apocalyptic science fiction that I think we've become so much more acquainted with and with good reason in the last couple of years. Yeah. So
0: for, for yeah. Those... No, I, mm-hmm. I was going to say, for Sorry. those who don't know, like, tell us about like the character and and why she's so positive and, and has this outlook because it is something that's very unique out there. You don't see this too often.
2: Yeah, I mean, in Nadia's case, um, I think all of I think part of what makes it so great is all of the uh, all of the indicators sort of stack up against her. Like she's, um, you know, so we know she's the daughter of, of Hank Pym and his, uh, first wife, Maria, um, and, yeah, that goes back quite a distance in the comics, um, but, you know, Maria was, uh, kidnapped during their honeymoon and, um, later revealed to have died, um, but the, um, uh, we didn't, we didn't see any of that. We don't know any of what happened to her while she was there, um, and it turns out that when she was kidnapped, she was pregnant, and, um, you know, Nadia was born and grew up in the uh in the Red Room, which is, you know, the same the same place Black Widow comes from. They train young girls to become you know super spies and assassins. Um and she started of is it she started it, is in it, that I know and it used
1: to be very much tied to like Cold War Russia stuff, but that's obviously if it's still happening with her, that's not the case. Who is in char is it like who is in charge of it now?
2: Um well, this um, this particular offshoot of uh, of the Red Room that uh, Nadia is part of uh, sort of split off from from the main faction because she was recruited into this um, group that they they call the Science Class, um, whose job it is to um, do super science and provide you know the Red Room with that same sort of um, power and ability. Or destruction that uh, you know so many superheroes and supervillains have out there. Um so hers is, is not directly is not as directly tied to, you know, the, the Cold War stuff as Black Widow's and in um Black Widow's case she's recently taken down the part of the red room that she was a part of. Um Nadia's is a, a bit separate though and we'll actually um we'll actually meet the head of uh the science class whose whose name is mysteriously just mother. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, so she'll I be a
1: sound she'll be that, a part sorry. of the story
2: in the the first uh, in the first volume here. Cool.
0: cool. Yeah, case to be made that we need a soundboard so we can play stuff when, when things come up like that. I know <laughs> you don't me uh, thing. And <laughs> this is a character? Question, like,
1: how, but like, yeah. oh, sorry. Is no, no, the, go. Is go ahead. Maria Pym somebody who was invented in the recent Avengers? Run that just came from.
2: Uh, no, um, Maria, as a as a character, um, dates all the way back to the uh, tales to astonish days of, of Hank Pym, um, oh, before so cool. he was Ant Man. Yeah, that <laughs> that's so cool. that stuff really exists. That's part of his backstory about you know how he became Ant Man. Is that this uh, you know this great tragedy befell him? So. It's, it's yeah, it's neat that it was it was a thing that was all already there and that it's so kind of far in the the past of that character, um, that not not a lot of people even remember it anymore because, you know, so much of his modern life has been defined by his, you know, more recent love interests like Janet.
0: Yeah, I remember when it was announced a lot of people were going back and being like, Was is this retcon or is this like a real thing? And everyone's like, No, no, this was legit. So it was it was a great use of uh of old history and like giving it a new spin and adding a little bit to it. I, I got to give, I think it was Wade that came up, Mark Wade that came up with it and like mad props to him. Cause that's, that's not easy to do. Uh, and it worked mm-hmm. really well, yeah. well too, which is, which is cool. Um, but what yeah, like it like happened
2: It's basically, you know, Mark Wade and Kurt Busiek just high-fiving online.
1: So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They're definitely history buffs when it comes to that.
0: Yeah. yeah. I, I, you know, there's, there's, a lot of people have criticism for Wade, but the dude knows his comics. Like, I would never go up the comic history with him at all. Like, it's, it's freakish how much he knows. Um, and, and speaking of the history, like, since it's a new character, uh, you know, Wade has been working with her in Avengers. How much do you get to play with her and, and flesh out her background and history and, and, like, add to the character's whole? I mean, like, it's got to be really cool to do and add so much to, like, Marvel history.
2: Yeah, it's been it's been phenomenal because they've um, you know both both Mark and my editors Tom and Alana have been very um, willing to let me kind of do whatever I want to with it. Um, or at least you know as far as they they like what I, I pitched, I guess. Um, but yeah, it's been you know they they give me very little instruction as to it had to be a particular way or do a certain thing. Um, you know, and I, I sort of pitched the ideas of, of what I had of um, you know, using obviously what Mark had already written at that point. Um and it was a little it was a little helpful to get to shape some of that stuff in Avengers as well and you know, the issue I did with him, um and sort of uh let me let me plant some ideas of, of stuff that's gonna happen in the main series. Um but yeah, they've been really great about um, you know, Pretty much all the ideas that uh, both myself and and Elsa have had on it, Um, they've been really receptive to, you know, every time I talked to Mark about it, it's been sort of my idea to ask Mark and, um, you know, Mark for the most part has been, yeah, you should do that. That sounds great. You know, as opposed to um, being territorial about the character, which greatly to his credit considering it's a character he just made and is, you know, less than a year old at this point.
0: That's really cool. How did El- how did Elsa come on the the series?
2: Um, well, from from the beginning of my time writing it, you know, I I asked um, who they saw in drawing it, and they were still sort of talking to people at that point. But um, Elsa was their first choice, um, and I thought she would I thought she was going to be an incredible choice for the book, so um, I was on board with that. And it was a little little touch and go for a while because she's. Very busy. She's got a lot of uh, projects going between you know Marvel and DC and her own stuff. Um, but uh, she ended up you know making the time for it, and uh, you know we've been sort of in contact since. You know, I, I had a couple of scripts written by the time she came on, but um, you know sh- she's been part of it since almost the beginning. And uh, it's very it's very collaborative between the two of us. You know, we talk a lot about. Um, what we want things to look like, and um, she makes a lot of suggestions as to uh, things we can add beyond what's in the script, and they're all are all great suggestions. I mean, you'll see a lot of um, cool things in, in the comic that have been added on on her idea, including the little there's little science facts in the first issue um, that were that were totally her idea. I I wish I could take credit for it, but uh, oh wow, there's a lot of yeah you know, little bits. That are thrown in there where you can, you know, shows you sort of the inside of some of the um, devices and things like that in the book. And it's a really I great idea Elsa she had, and I was like, yeah.
1: Art. "Oh yeah!" She's such a great fit for the. Like, it makes me so happy. They, I, there's a lot of publishers who have a tendency to seem to almost deliberately like match artists whose work won't resonate with a young female audience with books that will go to a young female audience and it started to get better. But, um, but Elsa, uh, her work is like, it's got all of that Bruce, Tim influence in it and from the animated series that like, you know, the readers, the young readers are definitely not going to necessarily remember even though it influences the comics, which they see today. Um, but it's, it's, it's so pretty. And it's cartoony without being, well, still being very beautiful. And I feel like a lot of art that's cartoony isn't beautiful in that way. Um, And I think this has an aesthetic that girls will like. At least I know I would have liked it when I was younger, and I certainly like it now. Um, And she draws, you know, young girls that look like, she, she draws teenage girls that look like teenage girls. And grown women who look like grown women. And that's not something everyone does. People's clothing makes sense which God knows is, again, an important factor of having a believable, relatable comic. Um, so I just think she's such a great fit for the
2: Oh, yeah, and I mean, it's, you know, I was I was reading, you know, Starfire that she was doing at D.C. at the, the time that, you know, they they said they were looking at her for the book, and I was like, oh, that is, that's the perfect fit. It has, her work reminds me a lot of Darwin Cooks. I mean, you know, Bruce you mm. said is a, another good,
0: yeah, um, mm-hmm. yes, yes.
2: Comparison. But yeah, I I love the idea of having her work on the book. I loved her work and um you know, she's brought a ton of stuff to the book. Um more than more than I can fully express from, you know, um little things she's added in the art that, you know, have then sort of grown into other things in the story and then um you know, we sort of between the two of us came up with that idea of uh for the uh, letters page that we're doing at the the back of these, which is, I would say, pretty unique to our book.
1: Yeah, let's talk about that a bit.
2: Yeah. So, um, I was I wanted to do a letters page. I love letters pages, and I've never done them in in any of my creator-owned books, and I haven't had the opportunity to do anything at Marvel that would require one so far. Um, so, you know, when we were working on this, I, I mentioned that I'd like to do that, um, and find something cool and interesting to do with it. Um, and at the same time, Elsa had sort of come up with this idea that, um, she had originally wanted to do through Twitter or Tumblr where, um, we would do little profiles of, of female scientists. Um, you know, a lot of, um, big deal, historical female scientists, things like that. Um, and, you know, post them on there as we were doing the, uh, as we were doing the series. Um, and I liked that idea, um, but you know, I, I proposed, you know, doing it actually in the the letters page and actually focusing more on, um, you know, young women and um, young women who are who are actually working in science fields currently. Um, you know, people who are are doing the sort of work that uh, it's, it's the real basis for you know the fictional stuff that we do in the comics. You know women who are, are really out there changing the world in science and you know, doing STEM work uh, or work in STEM fields. And um, so what we're doing in each one is we're trying to profile at least uh, two women in the back of each issue who are you know, current scientists. We're doing uh, sort of quick little interviews with them where we talk a little bit about science and a little bit about comics. Um, and so far, we've you know, everybody we've talked to is at a Twitter handle so that people can follow them and find out more about their work um and it's it's been really cool because the uh the first issue we've got a um, a couple of uh, women that we both know from from comics and from Twitter um, who are accomplished scientists themselves and uh, we sort of put the the pitch out there for you know people to send us ideas for other people they'd like to be profiled and I mean, we 've already gotten a bunch of suggestions but it it ties in very coolly with what we 're doing in the book um, it's the uh, Nadia is sort of putting together her own lab of um you know female scientists in the book um it's called girl um, it's the genius in action uh research labs and uh the idea is you're uh suggesting other people that you know a girl should be looking at to recruit into their their labs so um each uh, issue else does a quick sort of uh Sketch of the person, and um, we we print the article, and people can uh, find out all about what they're doing, and um, they get to talk about science and comics.
1: I love the lab being called you- by the way. That's a yes. neat touch. <laughs> Thank you.
2: Yeah, it's um, it was sort of a spur of the moment thing. Like I was writing it, and um, I wanted to do something like Shield. Um, you know that we could have an acronym that means something and uh, I I played around with a couple different titles while we were doing it but Girl ended up being the one that that stuck for me and uh, I think has a a nice ring we were doing the Agents of Girl
0: please talk Marvel into doing like the old school send in $3 and get like a pin and membership kit thing or whatever $5 or whatever it used to be today yeah, I, I would say the I would up, you love, know. Love, yeah, yeah. yeah, whatever it's got to be now. <laughs> go, oh, I, I, yeah.
2: would, I would kill for I'd that. I'd love to do something about that. Elsa and I have talked about, uh, you know, putting together uh, cards, you know, that people can get at uh, conventions and stuff like that. I'd love for mm. Marvel to do something with it. That would be really cool.
0: That would be awesome. And if you got a Kickstarter, kick, like go, just whatever we got to do, let's push it. We'll make it happen. It's such a yeah. fun thing. Like I got to the end of it, I was like, "Oh, this reminds me of like the, the old school '80s like secret things that you could uh, mail away for in comics," and kind of missed it. Really, really missed it.
2: Yeah, that would be that would be really cool um, to do something like that. <laughs> and you know, they've Marvel to their credit has been very um, gung ho about it. You know, they they did a, an interview with us for Marvel.com, and they've pushed it a couple of other places and. Um, it seems to be something they're excited about continuing to promote. Um, so hopefully, it's, uh, it's something we'll see, you know, pop up in more comics, and we'll see will uh, sort of talk more about it because we're we're definitely going to do more with it in our series.
1: Yeah, I, I what, actually one of the questions I had for you, you know, you're a parent. What, obviously, I'm an adult, I read this comic, I loved it, but, like, in terms of kids, like, what age range do you think they have, have to be for to be old enough to, like, get it, you know? I don't
2: mean, that's, know, that's a good question, because I don't think there's, I don't think there's any mature content, anything that I, I would term that way.
1: Um, no, but just, like, from you know, a comprehension standpoint. I, I'm really terrible at yeah. that. I feel like...
2: I feel like everybody should be able to get it at some level because um, you know if we're talking about kids in the eight to 10 age range which is, is what people recommend principles for librarians and all that um, I definitely think kids in that that age range and you know probably as young as five which is, is how old my daughter is would be able to understand um, the story and enjoy it you know even if it's just for the giant robots and Growing and shrinking, and all the the fun parts of it, um, you know. And I think it's ultimately going to be something that's a little more deeply layered. Has, you know, some some areas of you know techno babble and, and jargon and um, things like that that'll be maybe a little bit harder for them to pierce, um, but wouldn't be, you know, beyond them um, liking and understanding it the same way, you know, you do Star Trek or Star Wars or something like that.
1: Do, yeah, do you usually run couple, the comic
0: I'm, I gonna say like, do you run the comic by your daughter to see like what her reaction is? You use her as a test uh, audience?
2: No. Um my um my daughter thinks I should just be writing more my little pony comics mostly. That's <laughs> uh, I feel like that's become sort of uh, her claim to fame is, you know, that she can tell other kids that I write my little pony comics. Um, and she likes, you know, princess and the superhero stuff and things like that. But, um, you know, she's she's a she's an OG friendship is magic fan at this point. Um, and <laughs> you know, she's been she's been loving My Little Pony since she was I want to say two at this point. So uh, I think I think getting that job is is maybe going to be the pinnacle of my career for her now. Um, but hopefully, you know, hopefully she'll enjoy uh, wasp once she around to checking it out. I've shown her some of the some of the cooler stuff, like there's a certain giant red dinosaur that shows up in uh, issues two and three, um, and she seems to think that's pretty cool.
1: Yeah, I mean, kids love dinosaurs, especially giant red ones. His names will not mention because it could be a spoiler. Yeah,
2: well, there's uh, <laughs> a the, there's already been a little bit of uh stuff out there from from Marvel about uh her about who's in uh issues two and three because uh both both uh that that big red dinosaur and his uh superhero companion and, and writer are in the background of the uh covered issue two and in the foreground of covered issue three. <laughs> so and, yeah, they're definitely uh, known to be in the the series at this point as well as uh, as well as Ms. Marvel and uh, Mockingbird, who both show up in the first issue.
1: Yeah, that's such a yeah. great inclusion, actually.
2: Yeah, it was, was, you know was, I love Kamala. She's one of my favorite characters that's I can think of ever in the Marvel universe, particularly that's been you know created in the last ten years or so. And having a having a chance to use her and and get her in there, um, you know, as a as a character that is. Nadia's connection from you know, her Avengers group, and also as somebody who, um, you know, is isn't is intelligent and is a scientist in her own right, and um, has a lot in common with Nadia, even if they don't always quite realize it. But yeah, I, I was excited about getting her in there, and then um, you know, Mockingbird, who's one of the um, who's one of the original Marvel female science heroes out there, even if she doesn't. Uh, doesn't do quite as much science anymore.
1: Mm,
0: Yeah, yeah, Bobby
1: being a scientist was was such a central part of the recent Mockingbird run, which we are big fans of, and I guess that was already pretty much uh, underway and established when you were working on this, and I just love this inclusion of, like, you know, how they talk about her science career um, and how they talk about how her, her science career is perceived by others is a really neat Aspect of this issue.
2: Yeah, that's you know it, it's something that was interesting because I was I was already sort of writing it when uh, when I picked up the first issue of Mockingbird and uh, you know I think Chelsea picked up on a lot of the same things about Mockingbird that I did that you know she was she was a scientist and that that's rarely something that's included in her credits especially now that she's you know a character in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Um, I, I don't. I mean, I haven't seen every episode of Shield, but every thing I've seen Bobby do on Shield has been, you know, hitting people with batons. So yeah. I'm I'm not sure that that's even an aspect of uh, the character that's translated into other media. And I, I do think it's it's something that's incredibly important considering how few characters of you know that generation are female and scientists.
0: The big thing with it that, uh, you know, reading it, you know, obviously you had Chelsea's run. It's been over for a couple months now. uh, And then everything that went down with Chelsea and the backlash with Mockingbird. This issue strangely felt like almost uh, a prologue to that volume and series. And, like, almost a thank you to Mockingbird and a reminder of, like, how much of a kick-ass character she is to, like, everyone who... Might have been the doubters out there, and it's, it's interesting. You said that you were writing this before you even started reading Chelsea's Run, um, but it's like the two I felt felt like they went together really well in this strange way. Um, reading it.
1: nice. Yeah,
2: yeah, you know, it's it's interesting because there's there's only really I think one line in the stuff with Mockingbird that I have changed since um, you know the, the completion of the Mockingbird series and and everything that came after that. And that's, uh, she, she has a line about the last, about what the last year has been like for her that, um, you know, I, I added in there sort of after everything that went down, you know, just sort of a acknowledgement of that because yeah, I, I think, you know, Chelsea's run on Mockingbird is incredible and I'm, I'm a big fan of hers. And, I hope in spite of everything at some point we, we see her writing some more comics again.
0: Yeah, I picked up on that line. I felt like it was kind of like this wink and nod, so I absolutely wanted to, to ask about it. It's really cool that you did that. Like that's awesome. By the way, I don't know what else to say other than that that's friggin' awesome. Um, really great to see. So I mean it's and it's so fascinating, like did it shift at all while you read her volume at all? Or like, was it pretty much you were set with what you wanted to do and it, it didn't change much at all? Cause they really are great companion pieces in, in a way.
2: Yeah. I, you know, I think the first issue of mockingbird came out. I think I want to say that I'd read, I'd written the first issue of this already when I read the first issue of mockingbird. Um, it might have already been out, and i I just hadn't gotten around to it until afterwards, but um yeah it's <laughs> I guess I was surprisingly prescient in that way, and then um you know I sort of picked up on on Mockingbird as this you know potential older science character um, you know that has sort of not been held with as much esteem as um you know some of the some of her male contemporaries who uh, are on that list that we, we talk about um, both in this series and sort of has been a topic of discussion generally in, uh, in, you know, Marvel in the last few months.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. it really feels appropriate timing on this in a lot of ways. And for folks who wanted more from, I'm so sorry that it's gone. The Mockingbird series. I think that folks, especially fans of that, should definitely be checking this out. Yeah. And I also think you know, like it's... people who are getting their kids into like Lumberjanes. Like, there's definitely like, obviously everyone who's reading your stuff as we all should. Um, yep. There's a lot of, of fans who should be getting in on this right away.
2: Yeah, I, I hope they are because you know we're 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 trying to build something that'll hopefully be you know pretty pretty big by the time it's done here and that, you know, uh, Marvel has given us sort of free reign with um, being able to create new characters as, as part of the um, girl going forward in the series. Um, you know, because early on when I was sort of pitching ideas with this, um, you know, having Nadia have her own lab, I, I pitched a lot of sort of existing characters and... Um, You know, I think one of the things Tom said to me that was, uh, in in hindsight, a really good observation is that, um, you know, we don't want to have a book that's about all of these other established characters in which, you know, Nadia is a part of it, um, so much as it be Nadia's book and have her, you know, give her the opportunity to bring in new people and, you know, to establish things about herself by the, you know, the people that she chooses and the, the group that she puts together, um. And it's, it's also, you know, it's given us the opportunity, um, myself and Elsa, to add some, some new characters to the Marvel canon, which you know, I'm, I really look forward to over the next few months, people getting to, to meet our uh, group of young girl scientists.
0: Can I, can I pitch a, a villain named Mr. Oginist who is all against smart women and might have a slight alt-right <laughs> bent?
1: He has a fedora, uh, or perhaps a set, like, make America great again hat.
0: Looks like the Twitter <laughs> egg profile.
1: <laughs> there you go. That's his logo of the Twitter egg, Yeah. <laughs> so it's
2: so I have this You're book about pirates. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's True. Yeah, uh, yeah uh, well – Raven <laughs> I think uh that's that's been a nice thing with doing my own stuff too, is you know, in Raven in particular I've gotten such a uh a chance to really uh call out some of that stuff and, and um have a good time doing it without necessarily having to uh <laughs> get get any bosses in trouble. <laughs> <laughs>
0: you're not willing to to, to, to bring the yeah, the pain down on marvel yet are you you're just you're going you're going to save that for your own stuff <laughs> uh
2: you know i i think <laughs> i think we we call out a a certain number of things in in Wasp that uh you know i think are important to pay attention to but um it's maybe not quite as much uh in your face as uh as the Princeless books are which you know hopefully will uh maybe get some some people reading it who uh in the past have been uh, a little a little turned off by how um expressive some of some of our uh ideas are in Princeless. yeah uh, there's certainly a number of people on twitter and tumblr who have expressed to me that uh I need to tone it down <laughs> oh god
0: Amp but it up, amp it all about up.
1: it like you are really one of the best yeah. creators in terms of social media uh, use and Tumblr and engaging with fans and stuff like that, and you've really got your supporters, so we will you know make sure that we spread the gospel of your work, so to speak, and help it get into the right hands and and get support out for it
2: thank you i I appreciate that and you know i I really appreciate with with wasp that uh we have. So much of a um, uh, a stage on which to do it, as compared to you know, creator-owned books, which are you know, there there will be as many people that buy you know, wasp just for variant covers as buy princeless, period, um, and you know, at a certain a certain level, that's frustrating from a creator-owned standpoint, but at the same time, it it helps um, get the stuff out there and. Um, gives, you know, gives me a chance to, to do some stuff that, um, we haven't even had a chance to do in Princeless, you know, having so much, uh, STEM stuff in the, in the series and really getting to, uh, talk about, you know, science and, and women in science in a way that is very, um, very much part of the plot, you know, it doesn't feel like, uh like another, uh, like a side thing. It's not something I'm pushing in there. It's very intrinsic to the
1: character. And there's just something great about having a piece of this world that everyone else is already excited by and interacting with as well. You know, like you're doing them all at the same time. You're really building your own princeless verse, as I call it, and you're really doing something important to generate new female heroes in the Marvel universe. I mean, there's a lot of people writing comics that have young women in it who have no business writing comics about young women in them. Um, and as much as it's completely essential to have more women writing comics, like you certainly nail the voice and write believable, relatable, powerful feminist female characters. And it's great to have you doing that. You know, you obviously did your homework in terms of representation of Pakistani uh, bakery scene. <laughs> um, we thought you were working with Priti Chibri. She's been a really fantastic comics uh, critic and writer um, and editor. Um, she's Pakistani American herself and I saw that she was under thank you page so yeah like it's important to have your voice in there doing this it's...
2: yeah it's you know it's important to me to to represent folks correctly and, and um, you know get things right um, Yeah, pretty was a, a big help with this first arc of the series not um, just in this um, in this first issue, which she certainly did um give some feedback on on that scene in particular. Um, but also with uh you know one of our characters who appears, you know, later on and I'm gonna say she's her first is uh issue three I think, which we're working on right now. Um, you know, we have a, a character who's part of the um the group for the lab who is a, a young, you know, second generation Indian American um and that was something I very much wanted to get right. Um, and Preeti gave me a lot of really cool feedback on that, and it was, was very helpful there. So, yeah, I wanted to make sure to, to get her into the the thank yous.
1: Oh, I have got two questions for one of our listeners. Um, <laughs> Sergio Alexis, who you probably know from Twitter. She's active Twitter comics uh, critic and all that, and working on her own stuff. Um, oh yes, she wanted to ask: uh, Is there a, if there's a character who's not yet planned for a guest spot on Wasp, because the character is elsewhere? You know, like be it, be they dead or in space or what have you, that you would love to fit in if you could. Um, yeah,
2: I mean there there are certainly um, a lot of characters that I'd like to, you know, can get a chance to to introduce um nadia and, and the rest of the characters too um you know who i'd i'd like to see um, you know- sh- sort of share this corner of the universe um, you know currently we don't have anything with uh, Riri williams that's you know in our initial plan because when we, when we were starting the story um she hadn't even been introduced yet, so um, mm. yeah you know, i didn't want to didn't want to um. Attempt to write a character who was not actually appearing in the comics yet. Um, <laughs> and I didn't have an idea of how she would sound and, and what type of character she'd be. Um, and of course, I'd I'd love to. Uh, I'd love for Nadia to meet uh, some of the Fantastic Four. Particularly, it would be nice for uh her to to have a meeting of the minds with Valeria at some point. And have two of the daughters of two of the most you know, brilliant scientists in the world to compare notes on being some of the most brilliant scientists in
0: the world. Ooh, that's a good cool. one. That's a really good one.
1: Yeah. yeah I mean, that would, I would be, that I don't would be neat,
2: of course. Mm-hmm. Yeah, of course, Fantastic Four stuff is in uh, a bit of a transition as far as I know right now. So we'll we'll see how yeah.
0: that goes.
1: I'm totally. it'll be back at some point right now, like it's a concept, yeah so. um, but anyway, um yeah, I think like you you're something that's interesting that I uh, see no one's going to have less read the comic yet, so I don't want to give it away, but there's definitely a great scene in this where you talk about like how who who determines who even gets on our list of scientists that we know or characters that we know and going outside of your list of. Who you normally think of when you think of people who are outstanding in their fields, and I think that's a really important question for folks to think about.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's the the scene you're talking about. I I think has a talks a lot about sort of inherent bias, which I mean is you know is a problem we're I think very familiar with in comics. Is you know people see people who are are doing. Um, you know the, the sorts of things that they think are important that are often the same sort of things that they're trying to do and they tend to have you know a, lim- a window limited both by um, you know what what they have time and space to see and where they're looking. Um, I, I feel like that's an important thing to address, especially when you look at the sort of informal lists that have been done throughout the years of who the smartest people are in the Marvel universe, and um, you know it always starts with you know twenty-four white guys in Black Panther. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, so I, I thought it was an important thing to to mention that, um, especially uh, it, it ended up um, interestingly having having a bit of crossover with um, what they're doing over in, in Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur. Right now, as well i I think uh Brandon and Amy and I had very similar ideas about that list and and how it should be fixed,
1: yeah, and Nadia and you therefore acknowledge that like it's not there's not just one kind of intelligence either, and it's not so easy to to measure that yeah and i I think
2: that that's um I think that's sort of an inherent part of of both her character and and Hank's character. Um, that you know, part of part of what makes Nadia and, and Hank unique as you know, big brains within the Marvel universe is that they're all they're also very creative and not necessarily um, not necessarily always for things that are useful or you know, utilitarian, but um you know, there's uh, a story that Mark actually wrote back during Age of Ultron, which is just sort of all about Hank's history as a scientist, and you know, Hank talks about trying to invent square bubbles, um, you know, things like that that have that have no practical use, but are you know, it's, it's science and it's being inventive nonetheless. And I've wanted to to bring some of that idea to Nadia, and you know, having her sort of recognize that, um, you know. Well, intelligence is to some some extent something you can measure. Not all intelligence can, you know, be, really be measured on the same scale. And beyond that, um, you know, being the most intelligent person doesn't necessarily mean being the best inventor or the most inventive
0: person. So we have a question from Twitter. Uh, this one is from Xander Network. Uh, so the question is, will the classic wasp villain, the vortex show up in the book anytime soon? This is a villain. I don't even know. I gotta go Google this one.
2: Yeah. Um, so n- not yet. Um, we are, we are definitely in the first volume. Uh we're going to see some, some new s- bad guys who are particular to Nadia, but we're also going to see some, uh, classic Avengers characters in there. Um, you know, people who've run afoul of Hank and Janet before. Um, so, you know, it's uh, we're trying to do a a bit of a mixture. Um, I, I think people will will probably be excited by some of the uh, returning bad guys they see, and and hopefully will enjoy some of the new ones we come up with. Because, you know, making up and and using good bad guys is one of my favorite parts of writing comics.
1: <laughs> nice.
2: Yeah, I think um, thing- the cover Yeah, the cover for issue 4 which I I've, I've just seen hasn't been solicited yet, but uh has the return of uh what I who I think is a, a pretty pretty amazing classic Avengers villain, so look forward to that.
1: Is there going to be a Jen Bartell guest cover? That's my stupid fangirl question. <laughs>
2: I really I would really love for Jen to do a cover. She was on my list of, of people I thought should do a cover. I love her work. Um she's mm-hmm. she's actually done a she's done a uh, Raven pin up for me that's gonna be in the uh Princeless Charity anthology when that comes out. Um Yay. But she has not not yet had a chance uh for us to get her on this. Um but we did have we do have this amazing um, Polina Ganachow variant for issue three, yeah. which is
1: Ooh. one of the
2: prettiest covers. I don't, I don't know if you've seen that one yet.
1: I don't think I have, but I'm a fan of Polina Ganachow's work from the Star Zodiac Star Wars, which is another yeah. that folks should definitely check out. Cool, yeah. Like I'm so inspired to have all these different artists take a take a stab at this stuff as well, because I think that Nadia. It's got a cool design I'd love to see folks expand on, and I trust that you would work with the artist and make sure that everybody is getting the characterization right. Um, oh, speaking of uh, things that are tropical, um, Brett and I actually were both talking about it, you know it being interesting right now to be writing a character who was raised in, it seems to be sort of raised in a parallel Russia-type situation, um, you know, uh, the Red, I'm, like I said, like I'm still kind of unclear on like what the Red Room maps to these days, but it, you know, this sort of began in, back as a, as an entity, entity when Marvel Comics were very much rooted in the Cold War conflicts between the U.S. and the at the time Soviet Union. And, you know, right now you have a character with a, uh, she's, you know, a Hungarian in, in part of her heritage, but her with a with so a specifically Russian sounding name who is, you know, going in and having adventures across America and it's just interesting to sort of see like I mean, obviously all of this was written prior to all the Putin <laughs> um interference in the election stuff, but I would love to think about like how is that going to be you know, how how does any of that does any of that change how the story is read, I guess, rather than how it's created, but I certainly think it's cool to have a Russian named heroine in the Marvel universe. And, and personally, I just am so frustrated at even when we have white characters, their names are so waspy. It's like completely unrepresentative of if I just look through my Facebook page, if I'm looking at white people, like there aren't that Mary, (laughs) Mary Smiths. Like I just, you know, like (laughs) where, 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 where are all like the Slavic surnames, like I know in real life, and the Irish and the Scottish. Like if you're even if even if you're having white people, like we're not all called Smith. Mm-hmm. I'm kind of babbling about this at this point, but I was just wondering if you think that the recent uh, re-examination of the U.S. relationship with Russia colors how the story will be read at all, and do you think it's going to impact how Nadia interacts with the world later on?
2: Yeah, I'm I'm curious. I'm curious myself whether that will change the way people read it. Um you know it's it's sort of a gray area with Nadia not having necessarily been a you know Russian citizen or anything like that to begin with. You know having grown up basically in a bunker isolated from the rest of the world. Um you know how much she would identify as is Russian is uh difficult to to say um, but I I think yeah it can definitely have some influence on um how its read and um you know where we where we might go in the future or at least how other characters will react to her um it's uh it's an it's an interesting thing to uh to be writing this character uh, with you know this sort of cold war um background uh, you know, with the with the Red Room organization, when when some days it feels an awful lot like we're uh, getting ready to have another Cold War.
1: <laughs> yeah,
2: <laughs> makes life makes life interesting. Um,
1: with 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 be with her being a uh, sorry, I, with her being wasp like definitely the character design for her with her particular form of Bob, is a bit of a reference to the haircut of um, the Wasp character from the Marvel Cinematic Universe, even though this is a totally different character. It's a sort of kind of weird... They're sort of operating on these parallel but separate tracks, really, for the Marvel Cinematic Universe, given that fact. Is there any sort of conversation around the movie versus the, the work in here? The costume and the hair is the same, but the character is totally different. The age is totally different. The origin story is totally different. Yeah, it's um it's interesting
2: because, you know, there obviously are parallels between the two characters. They're both um both Hope, um from Hope Van Dyne from the movie and uh Nadia Pim from the comics are are both um daughters of I think Pim, their mothers are both dead. Um their names actually both mean hope um it's one of them in russian um and you know they are both scientists in their own right um- mm-hmm. but honestly that's about it's <laughs> about where the parallels stop um and, you know it's uh there's a lot of questions early on from people about you know how much it would relate to um the movies and you know the character of hope in the movies um. And the reality is, like, there's a lot of ways in which it it just can't, it just doesn't. Um, you know, for one thing, for sorry to spoil it for anybody who is you know, hasn't seen Ant-Man at this point, but she's you know somewhat romantically linked to um, you know a, a character who in the comics is you know twice Nadia's age. Um, so that would be that'd be really weird um, if we you know, or too romantically. Link her to you know Scott Lang, um, who also you know has a has a daughter who's about the same age as her. Um, so yeah, uh, you know obviously that's going to be different. Obviously, um, you know with their backgrounds being so so different as far as you know Nadia being raised in a bunker and um, you know Hope being raised by her father, um, you're going to see. Quite a lot of differences there, but you know, I think it's nice to have sort of that endpoint of, of characters looking similar um, and having you know those parallels for hopefully people who are coming from the movies and are interested in you know reading about the Wasp um, to have some amount of an end to you know go from there. And I, I think that was definitely the hope in you know having a new younger Wasp character who um, wasn't quite as tied down to all the years of continuity as somebody like Janet
0: is. Mm-hmm. So many times we've used the word hope in different <laughs> ways and then also, also <laughs> wasp in different ways. Um, so we got another question from uh, from Twitter. This is at Ven Melendez. Uh, you know, you've talked about, uh, you know, Nadia putting together superhero female scientists and a team of them. Um, Louise's question is about facing off against female mad scientists like June Covington, Ruby Thursday, zero one, et cetera. Are we going to see the, uh, the evil version of her scientist group?
2: Um, yeah, we will definitely see some, uh, some, some villainous female scientists. Um, in fact, in the, the first issue and some of the stuff that, uh, Marvel's already released. Um, you can you can see that uh, Monica Rappaccini appears in there, who is uh you know, one of my, my favorite often unapologetically um bad um female scientists. She's uh very just quite a bit self absorbed, um and you know, rightfully um upset about the fact that uh she is often overlooked on those sorts of lists we were talking about where, you know, people she's worked with like Bruce Banner, um, who was a mad scientist in his own right, um, you know, are mm-hmm. are highly regarded. So true. Yeah.
0: Nice. Um, I mean, are, I are, like are I we going like, to yeah, get, like, so the evil super... Yeah, are we going to get, like, the evil super group at all, or is it mostly going to be just a, a couple characters here and there? I, I have a feeling I, you're trying not to spoil something. That's my, what my gut yeah. is telling I... me. <laughs>
2: I I'd love to do uh stuff with an, with an evil super group. We're we're not quite there yet. We're still uh yeah. you know, this first arc will be a lot about putting together our our own group and then uh you know we'll we'll see some, some various villains who are uh not all science based, but we're we're trying to pull in a variety of, you know, um female support characters and um you know, with everybody from, you know, Mockingbird and Kamala to um you know, some, some uh, maybe more surprising uh, characters we'll see later in the, this arc.
0: With, with the series having, like, such a, you know, I don't want to say a focus on science, but, like, it's being such a forefront thing, um, you know, you've got the profiles in the back. You know, are you doing a lot of outreach to, like, STEM groups and stuff like that to help promote the comic? Because it feels like this is something that might go over really well with them.
2: Yeah. Um it's definitely something we've we've done some of. Uh to some extent it's a question of, of getting uh, an issue or two out there so uh people can yeah. kinda of see what we're about. Um because when you talk about science and comics, um often uh it's a lot of uh hand wavy um you know, pseudo science uh that you know, STEM groups may may in some cases reasonably want to uh stay away from. Um, but between mm-hmm. us and, and Marvel and uh, even a little bit on the Disney side, it's uh, definitely something we're hoping to reach out to a bit and uh, hopefully uh, connect Unstoppable Wasp with some, some kids who uh, might just need to to see some female super scientists doing their thing.
1: Love it. That's really fantastic. Um, I just wanted to say if you have anything princeless verse wise that you could update us about while we have you on the show? Um, so
2: we've got a, we've got a couple of things going on. Um, the sixth volume of, of Prince is is um, about, about half drawn and on its way to um, coming out the uh, 12th issue of Raven, the pirate princess and the trade containing uh, 8 through 12 have just come out in the last, uh, I want to say month or so. Um, so that actually wraps up our, our first year of Raven stuff, um, which we're going to try and do. We're actually trying to do like a big hardcover of that first year. Um, uh, and we'll be bringing on a, a new art team. Um, Rosie and Ted have, have moved on um, to doing other stuff, and including... Uh, other stuff with me at at Marvel in the next couple months. Um Ooh. yeah, so that's that's cool. Rosie that and Ted have, are going to have a new team coming in. It's gonna be fun. Yeah, Rosie and Ted are actually um they're they illustrated the uh champion's monsters unleashed story that I'm doing for Marvel in February. It's amazing. They got to they got to create cool. and design some some awesome bad guys for that story too.
1: Oh how neat
2: yeah and and on top of that, um, they do have you know one more pirate princess story left to come out, which will be part of our uh our anthology when that comes out. We have our charity anthology, which uh, I know I talked to you guys about before, um mm-hmm. which we're hoping to get out um I think we're gonna start releasing the stories digitally um since we're we're still waiting on a couple. Um, so we're going to release a few at a time digitally and then uh, collect them all into a um, hardcover at the end. Um, but they, uh, they did one of the first stories we'll be releasing. Um, they illustrated a, a story called Backwards, which is uh, written by some folks you may know, um, Kelly Sue and Kit Cox. Hmm. Yeah, put put together a nice uh, Raven and Crew story, which I'm I'm really excited about. People getting to see uh, both both what they came up with and you know what Rosie and Ted can do because yeah, Rosie and Ted are uh, fast fast rising stars there because not only have they um, not only did they do this, but it's been recently announced that uh, since they they got this story done so well and so quickly, they actually got a uh, gig filling in part of an issue for Captain America, so pretty neat. Cool. Yeah. But oh yeah, I'm I'm psyched about um, you know, obviously in addition to the Wasp stuff, um I have two Monsters Unleashed stories that I wrote that are coming out in February. There's the Champions one that they're drawing and then the uh all new X Men one which is being drawn by Carlo Barberi.
0: Oh wow nice Yes, I can't wait for the monsters unleashed. Yeah. So Just all that sounds like goofy fun. Um, it's gonna be really interesting. I have no idea what the hell to expect for that whole event, though. So. I'm yeah, looking forward I, to you know, it. You what know? I love about it,
2: what I love about it, from what I've read of the main series so far, and then you know my um, my own stuff is is that it's it is you know a lot of it is an event to some extent. It is a big thing that's going on. It's in a lot of books. But it's not that kind of event that that people have gotten tired of where, you know, there's no hero versus hero kind of stuff. It's not necessarily the sort of thing that's going to change the world forever. It's, you know, it's a story about your favorite heroes fighting giant monsters. And uh, that's exactly what it is. And it's a ton of fun. Um, And, you know, getting to write the champions and then getting to write, you know, um, (laughs) uh, all new X-Men, which, you know, I got to... uh, Get got to write uh, our Laura Kinney Wolverine teaming up with uh, Gambit in that story. So that that's never not awesome.
1: <gasps> I am such a big fan of Laura Kinney. So that is a great fit. Yeah, I, you know, I love
2: that character and it's funny because I had read the first couple of issues of um, the current run on Only Wolverine and I hadn't been able to keep up and getting getting the chance to write that story gave me an excuse to have to sit down and read the rest of um, that run so far, and it's it's fantastic. So yeah, I had to. I well, I guess I got to pound all the issues of that plus um, Marjorie um X twenty three series, uh, sort of back to back before you know before I even started writing all new X Men.
0: Fantastic, nice. excellent it's uh it's something definitely looking forward to. Uh I mean you got tons of on your on your plate. Um anything else that you know we have to, uh, you haven't plugged yet or that um you might not necessarily know about coming out?
2: Um let's see. Um the the paperback of the um Year of Marvel's uh collection that announced and for anybody who didn't read um my story and, um, Uncanny, which was a, a Kate Bishop Halloween story um, that is originally a, a Marvel Infinite comic. Um, that's a lot of fun. I would definitely recommend checking that out. And that whole series is really fun because it's a lot of, you know, your your favorite Marvel characters and <laughs> seasonal-based adventures. There's a, you know, a Ryan North Spider-Man story in there, which is um, definitely worth reading. Um, and it's... uh I, I had a ton of fun writing that story um, so that'll be in paperback if if people haven't read it otherwise. Um, I'm working on some some new stuff both for uh, uh, Marvel and i d w for my little pony stuff that uh, will hopefully be announced fairly soon um, i I think in addition to that you know it's it's mostly principal stuff and some other other stuff I'm pitching, which hopefully I'll get a chance to do in the, the next year. I have a lot of, a you know, little series I'm I'm working on that are creator-owned stories, which I'd I'd like to get out there.
0: Cool, excellent.
2: Well, I mean, we, we definitely we're, have we're a career a little, that
1: we love, and we look forward to following yes. it in the future as well. So thank you.
2: Well, thank uh, you. Well, I'm I mean, always glad to come on and talk to you guys about it.
0: Yeah, for, I mean, we're kind of kind of wrapping up because uh, we're a little over hour and trying to, to not take too much of your time since you're rather busy writing a lot of comics. Uh, for those who haven't uh, you know, followed you or who don't, uh, do you want to go and, and tell them where they can uh, connect with you online and keep track of everything you've got going on?
2: Yeah, um, Twitter is probably the best place to get a hold of me right now. Um, I'm jrome58, so J-R-O-M-E-5-8 on Twitter. Um, I tweet a lot about comics and then random conversations I have with people and strange things I find on the street. Um, and I'm also on uh, Tumblr, it's uh, at Princeless Comic, um, where I talk a little bit about Princeless and then all the other stuff um, that I've got going on in comics and various and sundry other stuff. Um, those, are, those are probably the two best places. I'm on Facebook, but I rarely actually check it. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm always happy to uh, talk comics with anybody who wants to talk comics with me.
0: Excellent. Uh, well, thanks for coming on. It, I, you know, this is a comic that I, I both lot and I have been really looking forward to, and uh, conversation and show that we've been excited about for quite some time. So um, it's a it's a great comic. Um, you know, both got to read it. Awesome. And, uh, I think it's absolutely fantastic so uh, kudos and everyone else will be able to get a chance to check out the awesomeness that is uh, The Unstoppable Wasp on Wednesday
2: yep and it's uh, it should be, be available everywhere and I will be doing a, a signing here in um, in Raleigh and Durham at uh, uh, Ultimate Comics this Saturday assuming that it doesn't snow which it just
1: might so we'll see how that goes
0: <laughs> yeah we're on storm watch with snow too so I feel you on that
1: no. Uh, oh, <laughs> southern and hate snow, to, to be brave.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well to the yeah cool we'll definitely have to have you back You. Um, maybe we'll be able to talk giant monsters next time we'll get a better idea when that uh, comes out so um, as always thank you very much for coming on
2: Oh, thank you, and oh, I look forward to talking giant monsters with you.
0: <laughs> awesome. Uh, take care. We'll talk to you later.
2: You too. All right. Bye. Bye.
0: All right. That was a good one for the first episode of the year. Um is one I've been looking good forward stuff to. coming
1: out. Yeah.
0: yeah. Lots of guests uh, that we're working on. So, should be a great year of Graphic Policy Radio. Um, but seriously folks This is a fantastic comic It's a lot of fun The art is amazing um, It's just A fun comic the best way of putting it Like I, I smiled uh-huh. throughout reading it It's nice and goofy And um, kick ass and you know, hits all the right notes. So uh, go get it this Wednesday. You can get it at local shops, um comic com, I believe is the site to go find a, a comic store by you. Of course you can also get it on Coxology, uh Amster Amazon for Kindle will have it. Uh I don't know if Google Play will have it, but you can get it online. Tons of locations uh if you uh, if you're not able to pick a physical copy up. So go get it you'll uh, hopefully you'll be entertained, um but yeah, anything else before we kind of wrap up the show?
1: uh nope, I think that's it thanks you guys
0: Cool yeah so uh, uh thank you for joining us twitter
1: at, yes yep. follow me on Damn twitter it. at e l a n a underscore Brooklyn like the city um and that's the easiest way to follow my work
0: yeah twenty seventeen will be the year that I finally get that right and stop. Button up that part. Uh, <laughs> for folks who want to uh, you know, catch comic news, all that, you can go check us out at graphicpolicy.com. Uh, every single day we've got something new. I post up a nice little rant uh, that we will be having really cool features and articles every day, something original, Um Everything's a little bit different and should be a fun year. Uh, so check us out, GraphicPolicy.com. If you want to follow us online, you can on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, all that at Graphic Policy, keeping it nice and consistent. So as always, thank you for listening. If you came in late and want to listen to the uh, what you missed, it'll be up on iTunes and Stitcher probably about like an hour or two and then up on SoundCloud tomorrow and then post it to our site. So you can catch us all there. Re listen, on demand, share it with your friends, and uh please rate us and when you rate us, you know, give us the max rating. Appreciate it. Share <laughs> it, all that stuff. Uh so as always, thank you for listening. Until next time, I'm Brett. I'm Ilana. Keep it geeky.